and welcome to the 22nd episode of Catch Up on Kids Mental Health. I'm Janet Morrison. In this episode, I'm speaking with Paul Rogers, who's the president of Ontario Track 3 Adaptive Sports Association, a charitable organization that provides skiing opportunities for children and teens with physical and developmental disabilities. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for having me, Janet. I understand that Track 3 will be celebrating 50 years of service this coming fall. Congratulations. Can you tell us how Track 3 came into existence? Sure. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely top of mind in our in our 50th year. We're we're being very uh very thoughtful and and spending quite a bit of time actually capturing the stories from our history. I actually had had the opportunity. I've been involved for about 20 years, so I got to know one of our founders pretty well. A guy named Doug Carey. Doug was almost 100 when he passed away in the last year or so. And uh, anyway, they, they, what happened, the, the founding of Track 3, there was some doctors from uh, Sick Kids in Toronto were skiing and, and you know on vacation down in Colorado. And they saw one of the Kennedy brothers had actually set up a, a program in Colorado for athletes with challenges and finding ways to, to get them moving on snow. And so the uh, the doctors came back to Ontario pretty inspired and they, they found Doug and another gentleman by the name of Erling Morris was another of our founders. And th- these were very experienced uh, ski industry people, very qualified and I guess what you'd call the able-bodied approach to skiing and ski teaching. So they, I think they couldn't have found uh, two better people to, to put this together. So uh, so Doug and, and Erling worked with uh, with the Easter Seals and they got they got a lot of kids up Actually, our original location was near Collingwood in the Blue Mountains. We skied at Georgian Peaks. And so we, we've been sort of getting these, collecting these stories. And that's where, that's where it all began 50 years ago. And it's, it's evolved and grown and changed a lot since. But it's a great time to honor our roots and just know that we're building off a solid, solid foundation. That's a great story. So today, can you describe the children that uh, benefit from your program? Do they have physical disabilities, developmental disabilities? Sure. Yeah, I know. I I should say that, you know, when the original mission, they were focused very much on physical disabilities. And actually our name track three, it comes from the the impression left on a on a on the snow by an amputee skier. So if you're uh, an amputee, you, you know, you're most often skiing with one ski and two handheld outriggers. And, you know, if you're the, the impression left on the snow is a three track. So that's our, where we got our name. And so for the original years, we were very focused on that. We've grown our mandate over time, just recognizing that there's many types of challenges people could be dealing with. The growth has been to serve more broadly children with developmental and communication challenges, you know, neuro, neurocognitive challenges. So sometimes and sometimes our kids might have both a physical disability and another neurocognitive uh, challenge. So we've had to to broaden our our training and our and our basically our, our instructor skill base to to accommodate not just those physical challenges and adaptations but as well, you know, behavioral things and uh, aspects of of how some of our athletes may present. Well, I'm sure that is a, a challenging a process. So wh- where do you find your volunteers? How do you find them and how do you train them? I think training is really the thing probably that's our core product. It's, it's, how, we, it's how we deliver what we do. So that's been nurtured over our entire history. It's, an, it's a basically a combination of, of staying current with the latest able-bodied ski teaching. We have on our technical committee a lot of Canadian, Canadian ski instructors, alliance people 
A lot of many of our instructors are, are CSIA certified, so staying on top of that. But 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 obviously blending in the the aspects for adaptive skiing, and so for this, it's you know it, we just and what we do is we just take a progression. We're really good at getting people comfortable in you know the basics of call it you know holds and tethers. And then we, we work up from there into into upgrades as you're working with more advanced equipment, things like sit skis and and that that sort of thing. So that, you know, we just just over time, most of our people will invest. You know, I, I, I'm just I'm always so grateful to our technical committee and our course conductor group who do the training takes an extra. They probably put in an extra week every year, at least of volunteer days and. And that's, and then we, we get, we just get people out. We, we, uh, we rely heavily on our host clubs across Ontario. And we happen to be uh, at Craigleith today. Craigleith, we've got a large facility here and we do, we really do do our, most of our training happens here. First, and can it be done first, in the, in the summertime? You know what we can do in the summertime? It's a great question. In, in the summertime, what we need to do better is things like leveraging computer-based t- training and, and Zoom modules. So we're, we're looking at some of our, um, you know, our autism training, for example, getting more of that online. And you could do that anytime. The truth of it, though, it seems to be that most of our people focus on us once it starts to snow. So it is harder for us to get people's attention in the summer. And they're, and they're volunteers. That's up to them. But I, I do think we can, you know, the evolution for us will be to have more stuff available online. And I think we can work with other organizations in, in doing that really well. At present, your volunteers are physically on site having a demonstration and training of the particular procedures and and equipment that they need? Yeah, absolutely. It's very hands-on. COVID always makes this a bit more challenging. I think we did, I think we had a group of about 55 here in January for level one training. We got a group of about 26 through on upgrades in March. But yeah, we'll 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 be out this year. Uh, for level one training in January 7th and 8th. And it's two days and immensely rewarding. Most people show up a little bit nervous, even if they maybe they, they already have a CSIA, like an able-bodied designation, but people are a little nervous about about the teaching and, and the, the adaptation. But we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, the tenure of our course conductors is the really experienced people and they get people very comfortable very fast. In any, in any kind of ski teaching, whether it's what we do or what happens in able-bodied, there's the technique and then there's also the, the criticality of communication and responsibility, duty of care, that kind of thing. So we're also always, always assessing not just the, the, call it the technical skills of the candidates, but as well their ability to handle, uh, to handle a student. Great thing about our method is there's no fails. Like we, we always, we find a spot for, for anyone if you're not ready to be an instructor, we can find a, a, a role for you as an assistant. And if you're, maybe your skiing needs some work, you know, we run, we'll run ski improvement sessions throughout the winter. And, you know, we've, we've had people that start out with, you know, I'll call it just, you know, modest ability and they put a good effort into it and they realize the power of the connection with, uh, with our students, with our young kids. And then they, and obviously just, just as well, the power of the community and they, it keeps them coming and, they get better, and then eventually they're uh, they're out there in the lead role. So there's lots of those stories of success. Okay, well, tell me a little bit about the children, and what you hope that the children gain from participating in Track Three. So one example would be school programs, and think about the example of a school trip, grade five, six kids going and trying skiing. There's one of the 
students in the class as a challenge. And so they're not, imagine if they weren't allowed to go, you know, like that, that's, that's just think about that. And then, so what does it do for the student that they're actually able to go? We'll send an instructor out to Mount St. Louis and we'll make that school program a complete and inclusive program. That's the kind of, that's the, that's the stuff I just love, right? That they're not, they're not left behind. Yeah. And so, so that's, that's one way to think about it. Or just the kids that are saying in our, in our weekend programming, it's like you go to school on Monday as how's your weekend? What did you do? Well, played sledge hockey on Saturday and then I went skiing on Sunday. It's just like the bursting with pride about it. Not just because it, you know, not, not just because of the great experience they had in the outdoors and, and moving fast on, on snow, but they got something to talk about and, and something to be proud of. So that's, I think, the, uh, the best way to think about it is that they get that experience. We're not leaving our, our, we're not leaving these kids at the bottom of the hill or back in the city or, or whatever, right? It, it's, we're, we're allowing them an equal opportunity to experience the joy of, of moving on snow. Well, I, I can imagine that it would be very thrilling for these children to not only, as you say, be, feel included, but to have the confidence that they're developing these important physical skills. The way you've described it, it sounds like a one-off. Do, do, do the children participate over a period of time, or is this just a, an individual experience? There are one-offs, and we, we'll embrace those just as, as a way to get more people moving on snow. But the core of what we do are seven-week programs through the winter. Uh, so you sign up and you're you're part of a seven week program at a designated hill. So it, it you know it could be a weeknight program closer to the city, got you know Earl Bales or Glen Glen Eden you know, near Toronto, or a, a full day program on the weekend. We run those those programs for seven weeks in the winter. So that's a full season for for the children. Yeah, it's a full season indeed. And what's the age range of the children that you service? We service, uh, our target is six years old to, to 19. Oh, that's a and big range. It is a big range. It, it's a bit controversial that we, we graduate kids, frankly, but we, we've always done it. We've had a focus on youth very deliberately. And the, and the best way to understand it is that we'll always have a wait list. So it, it's just, you know, we will not create capacity if we do not graduate kids. And it's, so it's a hard, but it's a really hard thing, right? Because you, you know, you imagine you've, you've, you've been skiing with a, with a, this great person for 13 years. And, and then it's like, okay, this is, this is your last day. That's always a hard, that's always a hard thing. Well, 13 uh, we, years is a pretty good run. Yeah. If we can get them that early, I mean, that's your best case in our, in our world, but in a perfect world, there are other opportunities for them that maybe, maybe um, there's not a, there's never a requirement that a family gets involved in, in snow sports. You know, we, you know, when I when I started, there was more often than not the uh, families would use it as respite for the. I, I was working in the in a full day program up up uh, on the escarpment, and it was very typical that it was a respite. We run buses on on each of the days from from Toronto, but I've seen it change over over time, and more and more, there the families are are getting involved and and are embracing skiing as a family. So. That's the best case scenario, I think, is the families can pick up and may, may, many of our of our parents will volunteer. They will pick up the skills. You know, one of my friends uh, that I met in the program is she's she and her husband and her son are, are members over at Beaver Valley now. And, and they're not they're not actually in our programming now. I think when their son's a little bit older, they'll come back as volunteers. I, I'll, I'll be working on them for that. But uh yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, they got, they got, they were introduced to skiing and, and got comfortable with it. 
working with track three. So yeah, there's, there's lots of, lots of great stories for, for how families can, can succeed and, and participate together longer term. Paul, sometimes we forget that mental health and physical health are in relationship, that they have a pretty significant and important relationship. I'm wondering what ways do the children benefit in terms of their, their mental health from, from this program? Yeah, I, I always have to preface this to say that I'm not measured measured against many. I would I, this is certainly not an area that I have expertise in, but I I could just tell you from my observations. Mm-hmm. You know, part maybe one way to think about it is COVID, right? We COVID's been hard on I think on everybody, but it was particularly I know it was particularly hard on our families that we support, and uh, we do, we would do summer surveys partly to get informed on how they thought we could operate safely but also to, to just kind of measure comfort and intent, that kind of thing. And I honestly, Janet, I was, I was tearing up reading the responses from the families on their desire that we find a way to, to operate. Like it was, you know, that they, their kids were just getting left out of everything and the mental health impacts were, were difficult. And uh, so, so that's what we heard from our families. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we in fact didn't operate in 2021 and it was so hard. It was so hard for us. It was so, and it was so hard for us really because we knew it was, was hard for the people, the community that we serve. So getting back up and running this past season that, you know, just the payback in uh, what we heard, we, what we heard from our families that they had been suffering. And so I, that's just, you know, in a, putting a COVID lens, it really, it really highlighted that, that for me. Janet, one more story relating to mental health. I can I can relate from this past season. I, I was riding up the the chair. I was teaching sit skiing on this day, and so with another instructor and our athlete, I noticed I noticed that his performance was was lagging a little bit as we got you know kind of later in the morning, closer to our our lunch break. And so I asked him about it, and uh, his answer was was that he um, it wasn't that he was tired. It was that he was having anxiety and he was, he was actually finding that the train that we were on was cause was, you know, he was just, he was just getting, getting a bit, a bit of fear. And, uh, I, I was just so impressed, right? Because I, is you know, following the men, mental health again, not, not an expert, but I, I, I think that this ability to talk about it and not keep it to yourself. Right. And, and so I, I was so proud of him to, to open up and, and share that, that anxiety openly. And, uh, you know, we, we, and we had a good chat about it at the end of the day when, when, uh, we were, we were recapping the day. So anyway, made, made an impression, just kind of the self-awareness, the presence, the honesty, the candor, you know, it just, so I, I think our kids get that opportunity in part, part, it's part of the, the adventure of, of sport, you know, kind of the uniqueness of, of putting yourself out there into, into these different environments and challenging yourself, right? Just even, even so I would, Think to think about how do I hold myself? How do I learn from these kids and be better myself at sort of sharing my my uh, my downtimes or what I'm what I'm feeling a little a little bad about, right? Well, I think having the children have an opportunity to address their anxiety and in some cases overcome it is 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 a wonderful gift and it builds a great deal of confidence in children. We all have anxiety. Uh, it's about managing it and overcoming it and, and, and having someone to help you overcome it. And I'm, I'm sure that that promotes a great deal of resilience for these kids and, and possibly the opportunity to then take on new challenges, more challenges. I wanted to ask you, Paul, about the 
reticence, if there is any, uh, among the parents of of these children. I know sometimes, uh, understandably, parents whose children have a lot of challenges tend to be very protective. And, and sometimes for that reason, the children don't get these kinds of opportunities. Is there challenges to overcome reticence on the part of parents? I really don't see it too much, to be honest with you. I, we always say we get paid in smiles, right? And it's it's from the kids. <laughs> it's, it's from the kids, but it's, it's also from the parents, like, and, and the parents that, that are, um, you know, they may not make it out every weekend if they're not in that group of, that say would volunteer or get, get out on the snow, you know, the, inevitably on the last day that, you know, parents would come out and, and just if, if they've never seen their, their child move on snow and they get, and they're, and they just, it's, it's, I can think any, any parent has a proud moment at that, but, but I, I just, I, maybe it's a little extra special for ours. So honestly, Janet, I, I, I know where you're coming from, but I honestly, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's just the nature of the parents that what they've already had to deal with in, uh, in managing through, through having a, a, a child with some challenges, right? Like there's maybe there, maybe there's, you, you know, you said resilience earlier. I think maybe there's some resilience in them as well. I'm pretty inspired often as well by the families and how they show up, right? So I maybe there is, and maybe actually maybe that's maybe it's just something that that happens more in the interview stage where they make an application. And I don't typically do those interviews like that kind of the, the intake. Maybe maybe if we were to talk to Kathy in our office, she would she would have a better answer. But honestly, I just I see from our parents that it's just a lot of joy, and I only wish we could we could make more of it. That would I guess would be my my hope, right? Just more parents would get that opportunity if they're if their child's still on our wait list or or what have you, they would they would just have that exposure because it just seems to be all positive. Well, I, I sounds like it is that the pluses much outweigh the conceivable disadvantages or the concerns that parents have. It just sounds like it's a, it's a very special opportunity. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the relationship between the volunteers and the children. Do, do the the children are they having the same volunteer over a number of weeks, or are they do they have different volunteers for every opportunity? Yeah, you know, the, the, certainly the the idea is that they get matched for the season, and you know, typically, I'm, I'm it's that we have program directors that run our individual programs, and s- sometimes they'll they'll look for that continuity if it's re- working really well, even to carry it over into the the next season. Some some always do like a change just just to mix it up, but yeah, certainly for for the season, and I mean, we were particularly focused on that for for COVID to to make sure just just because it was it was just less exposure but yeah i think i think that connection and building that connection it it really it really is important well i'm assuming over the period of a season that the children would get to know their volunteer pretty well does it turn out to be kind of a personal relationship Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, I think, you know, you, you, it's funny, you know, there's always, there's always some boundaries there, but uh, you know, it's just, if, if the parents are, are okay with it, I mean, I, I've gone, I've gone to see kids in hospitals that were my students, right. And the, they're having tendon lengthening surgery in the summer and I'll get in touch with the, with the parents and say, can I, can I come see Christopher? And, you know, so that kind of thing for sure happens, you know, I, the, the reverse happened with, we, I saw one of our back, Back a couple of years ago, we ended up losing one of our better volunteers to cancer. I went in to see him on a on a Saturday night at Sunnybrook. Ended up feeding him dinner, and I was 
the, who spelled me off, but his uh, one of his students and uh, the student's family who were, you know, the, uh, the brother had been recruited to be a volunteer and so on. So that, that kind of connection you do see and it's it's yeah, it's 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 uh, it's terrific. Well, what's next for track three? What's coming up in the fall? You've got your 50th uh, celebrations and so on, but are you continuing to expand across the province? Are you hoping to expand the number of children that you can provide this opportunity with? Yeah, absolutely. We we had a board. Our board was together recently. We looked we looked at our mission and and our, and our strategy. So we we kind of themed it around sort of how do we number one how do we grow our impact, and two is is how do we build our capability. So in terms of growing our impact, it, it really comes down to that volunteer opportunity we talked about earlier, right? Getting getting people uh, interested and, and willing to help. So we we do we're very focused on that. And how do we you know how do we do that? One of the things that we did last year is we ran a pilot on cross country at, at Royal Bales in Toronto. Went, tr- you know, just fabulously well. And one of the things that occurred to me is you're 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 drawing from a different population of volunteers that are that are you know skilled in cross country or or snowshoeing. It's 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 just more accessible to some. So that's great. We'll try and we'll try and do more of uh, those programs based on the success of that pilot in uh, 2022. We're looking at expansion into areas where we we can count on a good volunteer draw. So, you know, we we do really well at at uh, in the Aurelia area, for example. But we only run a program one day at Mount St. Louis. So we 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 would like to add a day. Very supportive, wonderful host hill. We'd we'd like to add a day there. We've got a, a couple of our former people now up in uh, in the Huntsville area. So we'd love to get a program going up there as well. So, you know, and meanwhile, we will we'll make sure that we don't forget about the, you know, the many programs we have existing that need to be, you know, strengthened post uh, post pandemic, right? So, you know, we want to make sure that we we show up in the, the places we've always been in great quality. So, I think I think that's our number one thing, right? Is is how do we take care of more kids and, you know, do it to to the safety standard and the experience standard that we're we're known for. Well, thank you very much for this. It sounds like a very ambitious project and a very, uh, very successful one. So very interesting to talk to you and hear about it today. And for those of you who are interested in knowing more about Track 3, the website is www.track3.org. Thanks so much for this, Paul. I really enjoyed our conversation. So did I. appreciate the opportunity, Janet. Thank you. I really do think it's important that we keep in mind the important connection between mental and physical health and that for children with disabilities, the opportunity to participate, to learn new skills, to be outside, to be on the snow, to do something that other children get to do is very special and very enhancing and growth promoting for them. The opportunity to socialize, to be mentored by the volunteers creates a a real chance for them to be more optimistic, more confident, uh, to have more self-esteem. So it's a lovely program. And uh, I was happy to have Paul tell us about it today. That's it for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Janet Morrison.